We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord Jesus Christ, as you revealed your glory 2,000 years ago, so we pray you would reveal your glory to us today. For your name's sake. Amen. Do please be seated. Over the summer, Lucy and I acquired a new black Labrador puppy. And the first question, of course, is what shall we call him? We had six weeks to make the decision, and it took us five and a half weeks to decide. Our last Labrador, the late lamented Rafa, was named after Raphael Nadal. We got him on the day that Nadal won the French Open for the first time. So should we call this one Novak or Andy? We couldn't agree. I came up with some eminently sensible suggestions, like Nimrod, who's a king in Genesis, or Mahashalal Hashbaz, who's a warrior in the book of Isaiah. And his name translated means quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. I thought Hashbaz would be a perfect name for a Labrador. But Lucy kicked all these ideas into the long grass. She, on the other hand, came up with some, frankly, ridiculous suggestions. As we walked the streets of London, desperate for ideas, she'd, she'd look around and she'd say, what about calling him Peter Jones? Or Harrods? And the most bizarre was, what about Uber? I mean, just imagine standing in the middle of Hyde Park shouting, taxi. It's not just the barking dog, it's the barking vicar. My son, Nick, tweeted Raphael Nadal for advice. He said, we called our last dog after you because we love the way you play tennis. Any suggestions for the new one? Well, sadly, the poor man has two million followers on Twitter and we never got a reply. So we settled on the name Digby. It's a kind of lowest common denominator name that no one hated. Oh, it's all right, we love him. <laughs> but it's the same, of course, when a human baby is born. One of the first things the parents have to agree on is a name. What shall we call it? Do we call her after Granny? Mildred? Maud? Thanks, Mum and Dad. Or do we call her something because the name means something? Like Lucy means ray of sunshine. Or just because we like the name. Or maybe because for a brief moment we'd like to pretend that we're a celebrity. So we choose some name like Daisy Chain or Honey Monster. But that's the first question, what shall we call the baby? And the second question that most parents ask themselves as they gaze adoringly into the carry cot is, what is he going to do when he grows up? Now, I thought Simon, my son, was going to be the prime minister. And it took me a while to realize that just because he looks like Winston Churchill, <laughs> totally bald, and with a scrunched up face, in fact, most babies do, don't they? It doesn't actually mean that he's going to be Winston Churchill. Of course, no one has a clue what their baby is going to do when they grow up, but it doesn't stop us speculating 
She's got the fingers of a piano player. Or the baby who's just a few ounces off 12 pounds, we say he's going to be a rugby player or a sumo wrestler or a countertenor. Now, when the angel appeared to Mary and Joseph and told them that they were going to have a son, they never had to bother with either of those two questions. What shall we call him? And what's he going to do when he grows up? Because the angel not only told them, you're going to have a son, the angel also said, you'll call his name Jesus. That's the answer to question one. And he went on, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The answer to question two. The name Jesus, you see, means God saves. God to the rescue. Now, when you think about it, it is quite extraordinary that that baby boy, born to a carpenter and his girlfriend, they weren't yet married, and in those days there was quite a bit of social disgrace attached to that, born in the backwater of the Roman Empire, first century Israel, shoved out of an inn and using a feeding trough for a cot. They weren't quite homeless, but they weren't exactly aristocracy either. Isn't it extraordinary that that baby's birth is still commemorated 2,000 years on? Because when you think about it, thousands of great leaders have been born over the last 2,000 years. And yet we never commemorate their birthdays. Billions of people have been born over the last 2,000 years. And yet only one birthday is commemorated with a national holiday in pretty much every country of the world. Jesus. And this is not because it's a sweet story with the supporting cast of shepherds, wise men, and angels. It's not as if Walt Disney came up with this idea of a sweet little humble family. It'll make a great film. And of course, it has made great films and great nativity plays for many years. There's another reason, a much bigger one. For the best part of 2,000 years, each Christmas, most of the world grinds to a halt because although this was a very ordinary birth, this was no ordinary baby. We've been singing about him for the last hour. Once in Royal David City, we sang, For that child, so dear and gentle, is our Lord in heaven above. Lord, not baby. A great and mighty wonder. The infant born in Bethlehem, the Saviour and the Lord. Saviour, not baby. On Christmas night, all Christians sing. News of great joy, news of great mirth, News of our merciful king's birth. King, not baby. Come and behold him, born the baby in the manger. No, come and behold him, born the king of angels. 
Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. This is no ordinary baby. The tiny little mite lying in a manger is none other than, as we've been singing, the saviour of the world. But hold on, I hear you say, this is a baby we're talking about. Babies don't save anyone. Of course, babies, if anything, need saving themselves. And this is where we come to question two, what will the baby do when he grows up? Now, if you come to St. Michael's on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, in fact, if you go to pretty much any church in the country uh, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, yes, we will sing carols about the baby, but the central act of the service is one of Holy Communion, Midnight Mass, the Eucharist, call it what you will. And this service, of course, remembers Jesus' death as we break bread together, a symbol of his broken body. And we drink wine, a symbol of his blood poured out for us. When you think about it, it's a bizarre way to commemorate someone's birth by celebrating their death. But that's why he came. That's what he came to do. That's why the gospel writers, they do tell us about his birth, but they very quickly go on to talk about the significance of his birth. Yes, there was this baby placed in a manger, but suddenly there was a heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. The angel said, his name is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You may know the story of the small boy who was told to write a letter to Jesus about his Christmas presents. Dear Jesus, I've been good for a whole year and I really want a bike for Christmas. You know, that kind of blackmail letter that children are encouraged to write. But as he wrote, he realized he hadn't been good for the whole year, so he scrummed up the bit of paper and started again. Dear Jesus, I've been good for a whole month. Please, please may I have a bike for Christmas. And then he thought again, no, I haven't been, no, no, I can't do that. Dear Jesus, I've been good for a whole week. Please may I have a bike for Christmas. And then he remembered the argument he'd had with his sister and throwing the cat out of the first floor window. Dear Jesus, I've been good to... Uh, and then he thought, this is no good. So he went to the nativity scene that the family had uh, above the fireplace. And he took the figure of the Virgin Mary out of the crib scene. And he went and hid it behind the sofa. And he wrote a letter. Dear Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, you better give me a bike for Christmas. Now, of course, we laugh at the small child, but if we're honest, none of us could look God in the face and say we've been good, totally good, over the last year, last week, last day. We all need forgiving. We've just sung, yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel's strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. We do live in a sorry world, don't we? A world of sickness and suffering and death. A world of corruption and evil. 
And whilst we love to point the finger at others, of course, as we're told in Sunday school, every time you point the finger at someone, there are three fingers pointing back at you. We can be deaf to our own faults, and we can be deaf to the call of Christ. The carol goes on, and man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. We are so distracted by our troubled world and 2,000 years of wrong. But Christmas gives us an annual opportunity to stop, to come to places like this, to come and sing, to come and listen, to come and hear that love song. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, And hear the angels sing. And what were the angels singing? On that first Christmas night, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. To you has been born a saviour. At last, some good news. I imagine probably for all of us, 2016 will have had its fair share of bad news. Maybe redundancy or unemployment, perhaps illness or bereavement, political uncertainty. And we sing of good news, of great joy for all people. Because to us is born a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And we fast forward 33 years. We move from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, from the cute baby to the brutalized, crucified Savior. Because that's where the saving act took place, as Jesus took our sin on himself so that we can be forgiven, so that we can look God in the face, so that we can be right with him so that we can know the Saviour for ourselves. Someone once said that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us a financier. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But because our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a saviour. It's great that we're all here tonight. Thank you so much for coming. Because it's so easy to be distracted at Christmas, isn't it, by 101 other lovely things, from turkey to tinsel from Fortnum's to fairy lights. It's so easy to get bogged down by the grind of another year, a year of economic uncertainty, political instability and personal insecurity. So it's great that we're here and have a chance to sing with the angels glory to the newborn king. And as we're here, It means that instead of saying, look what the world's come to, we can say with great joy, look what has come to the world 
Or rather, look who has come to the world. But we do need to look. And that's why we're here. That's why you may be interested in one of the courses that Charles was talking about. Details in the back of the service paper. That's why I'd love to chat to you. If you've got questions after the service, come and, come and chat with me. I'd love to give you a little booklet just explaining the meaning of Christmas. But this Christmas, let's all look again at the crib and see Jesus, the Savior of the world. But let's not just look. Let's worship too. Have you noticed the format of many of the carols we've been singing this evening? How the verse sort of tells the story or or makes the point. And then the chorus is basically worship. So we sing ding dong merrily on high. And then the chorus is Gloria, Hosanna in excelsis. That's basically praise God in the highest heaven for those of you who have rusty Latin. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, come, let us adore him. Or the the number that the choir are going to sing next, Tirili Tirilo. Now, I always thought that that was a sort of Chaucerian paean of praise. But Tom Bell, our organist and choir master, tells me that it's basically a 15th century version of Wahey! <laughs> Christmas is a cause for celebration. We have good news of great joy. So we need to look. We need to investigate. And we need to see that the baby is the saviour. And as we see him, so we worship him. And let our worship have a little bit more way about it this Christmas. As we sing with the angels, glory to the newborn king. Amen.